Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. We need to go out. We need to connect. So the question uh, that I want to answer today is, does God love me? Does God love even the, the sinner? Does God really love the sinner? And would that love be demonstrated through me? Could that love be demonstrated through me as I would make an effort, be intentional about connecting with somebody? So that's what I'm, what I'm doing. That's what Julie and I are doing is, is being intentional about saying, you know what? Yes, we're busy. We've got lots of stuff, and, and it's, it's like I, I, en I enjoy the times of rest or just taking it easy. I enjoy that. But recognizing that we're running out of time, the amount of times or the time that we have to connect is running out. And to do that because God loves us. God loves me. Does God love me? He does. So, um, I want to just go over a few things uh, and few scenarios that were given to us in the, uh, the New Testament, especially, and uh, how Jesus loved the individual. He loved the masses. He loves the world, each and every person on the planet. But he loves the individual. Does, he, does God love me? Does God really love me? Yes, he does, and we see that. When Jesus was here on this planet 2,000 years ago. And so I just want to, I want to make a few points here this morning with these illustrations. The first, the first one I want to make is the fact there is a battle for the soul of an individual. There is a battle that is going on in the spiritual realm that is for the soul of the individual, for your soul. For your life, for your eternity. And Jesus, speaking of the fact that he was the way and he is the door, to go through him, as we go through him, we have life. And so he speaks of this in John chapter 10 is, is one thing that he speaks of. And he also speaks of the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, as he was speaking, he says, through me. And so he's like a door into the heavenlies, to eternity with God, and to life on this side of heaven, and life for all eternity. It is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. The enemy, knowing this, will do whatever he can to make sure that nobody comes even to, to the point of getting in front of the door. And so there's this stealing. And so Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, he says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you, perhaps, in your own life, you can recognize, my goodness, 
And especially if you're adults and you, you got saved later on, as, as Joel said, hey, I got saved when I was three. I can say I got saved when I was seven. Terry was saying I was like 40 or in my 40s when I gave my life to Jesus. A whole life stolen. And some of you know the, the extent of that, that, that theft that took place in your life. And you, say, and you look back and you say, I cannot believe how much was stolen from me. And the lies, the lies of the enemy to lie, to keep people from coming to that door that would lead to life eternal. So Satan will do whatever he can to, to shift and to get people on this track and to stay on that track. It's a super highway. I, I, I think about going to, to Toronto and you go through Toronto. If you're going from the east or from the west to the east or vice versa, you go through Toronto and, and you have at one point you have, I, th I think, 16 lanes, if not more that are going in different directions. But 16 lanes, I'll tell you that the highway that leads to, that leads to destruction is a very broad highway. And there are many that are on that highway. And, and it's, it's they, they have no clue of what's coming. And the, one of the greatest deceptions is... Oh, I, hey, I want to go to hell because all my friends will be there. I'm going to spend eternity in hell. You know what? It is a place of darkness you can't see. It is a place of torment. It is a place where there is no interaction with others. In fact, the one man that, that Jesus spoke of that was in hell, the rich, this rich man, and he, it says he fared sumptuously while he was living. He was well off. And when he got to hell, and, and Jesus, this was not a parable. This was Jesus describing what hell was like and is like. And the man was saying, if there is somebody that can tell my brothers to make sure they don't make it here. First, I need, if I could have just a little bit of water. I'm looking for some water this morning. It's like, it's not, it's not there. Where's my mom? If I could just have a little bit of water on my lips. And back then, before Jesus went to the cross and before he died, in Hades, there was a separation between the unrighteous dead and the righteous dead. Those that didn't believe and those that did believe in Jesus Christ, even though he hadn't come yet, they knew the Messiah was coming and their faith and their hope was in what was yet to come. And before Jesus went to the cross, there was a section, there was a huge chasm between those that were righteous and those that were unrighteous, those that would have life eternal because their faith was in the sacrifice and those that, whose faith was in something else. I don't know how, how bad this rich man was. I believe there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. 
and it's a place of forever. The thief does not come except to steal while we're alive. If he can kill physically, the way I look at it, to kill physically, but to destroy. To destroy is we're, we're talking eternity. We are talking an eternity apart from God. Spiritually, our physical body may die. And this past week, there was two individuals that I, I had to interact with or before they passed away and then after they passed away, dealing with some of these things now after they passed away. This thing of destroying is the, the spiritual aspect. To be destroyed spiritually is to be set or be apart from God for all eternity. There is no way out. And so this thing of, of does God love me? Absolutely. Because in that same sentence, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That same sentence says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that you may have life. Jesus is saying, I've come that you may have life. And not just any life, but we're talking abundant life. Full life. A fullness of life. I just say, thank you, Lord. I, I, I look back, and, and uh, I know Julie would be in on this as we look back over our lives, and we're getting older. But I think, God, you have been so good. You are so good. I'm not saying that we haven't had problems and, and storms and temptations and, and different things happening. But God is so good because he is with us. The Lord is with us. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Man, that is good. I don't have to worry about anything, even the worst of times. The Lord is saying, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly in fullness. When it comes to Satan, when it comes to Jesus, Satan, when he touches or would try to impact your life, it is to steal from you. It is to kill you, to destroy you. I think many of you here, we had this conversation, I'm just trying to think of with who, uh, just in the last week, but just, it was about how many times they could have been dead over the course of their life, and they knew it. This is before they even knew the Lord. My goodness, and you might think in your own lives, how many times could I possibly have been dead already? And there was a sparing of, our, of your life, even before you knew the Lord. And the Lord is saying, I'm sparing that life. I'm sparing that life. I'm sparing that one. In fact, if Satan had his way, there would be nobody on this planet. The only way we exist is by the grace and mercy of God, even as sinners, even as people that don't even want anything to do with God. It is only the grace and mercy of God that says, I'm giving you life. I am giving you opportunity to come to me. That we would do whatever we can to bring others to Jesus. So Satan touches lives to, to, to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus would touch a life and lives to bring abundance and fullness of life. 
In Luke 8, from verse 43, talking about the battle for just one soul and the thing of stealing. Luke 8, 43 says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. There's, you might say, well, that was back then. You know what? Even today, it's like the physicians, as much as they can do, and I say thank God for doctors and nurses, thank God for them. And all the good that they can do is from the Father of Lights who says, hey, I want to give knowledge about this and that for the benefit of mankind. This woman, 12 years, and she could not be healed, and there was blood flowing from her. And it says, she came from behind and touched the border of his garment, so that the, the robe that Jesus was wearing, she touched the border, just touched the, the hem of his garment. And it says, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Twelve years. When we start, when we're bleeding continually, part of it is I, I need to stop the flow of blood. You don't stop, you don't put pressure on a wound and, 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 and elevate and, and, and keep the pressure on until you can get that wound fixed. You can bleed out. Life is in the blood. And as the blood bleed, as you bleed out, there's a loss of life. And here this woman, I just attempting to stop the flow of blood. The weakness to touch the, the hem of his garment. You know, she's she's who knows, possibly crawling or stooped over because she doesn't even have strength. I just need to touch Jesus. And Jesus said, ask, who touched me? Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? Like, think of it. So here he is in the masses, multitudes. Who knows? There's indication in the, in the Bible that, that there were just not hundreds that would come. There would be literal thousands that would come. And he would spend an entire day from beginning from the morning to night. And it says as they came to him, he, he healed them all. He would speak to them. He would speak to the masses in parables and these illustrations. And he would heal them. Does God love me? In the masses, Jesus, the, the, the disciples are saying, come on, Lord, there are people that are, are touching you left and right. They're, they're up against you because there's so many people. And you're saying, who touched you? And Jesus says, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. to come to Jesus. This woman was coming 
for a reason. I want something from Jesus. Listen, folks, we have, we have what people need to have in Jesus, to have life. We can offer them Jesus. We need to offer them Jesus. That's what the gospel is about. That Jesus died. The good news of Jesus, that Jesus died to take care of the worst ailment that you have, which is sin. Sin is by far worse than, than cancer. We were, yesterday we were talking about leprosy. Leprosy is still in existence today. Things decaying, your nerves on the extremities especially, uh, no longer functioning. But to have parts of your body, the, the extremities starting to rot away. And you, you don't even feel, but you, hey, my fingers are, are rotting away and I don't feel anything. But here, as this woman came to Jesus, she came because she knew who Jesus was. She knew enough to know, I just need to come close enough just to touch him. And the power that is within him, she must have known that there was enough power in the Lord just to touch, if she would touch him, that she would be made whole. And that's exactly what happened. Her faith was in Jesus. Her faith was in Jesus that we would bring people to a point of having faith in Jesus for their lives. And Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I like the fact that he said, Daughter, I want to believe that she was not just healed physically, but she was healed spiritually. The thing that was much worse to her in her existence, not just a loss of blood, but we're talking about sin that Jesus took care of the sin issue to call her not just woman, call her daughter. You got a heavenly father as well. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well physically and spiritually. Go in peace. You have peace. Physically, there's no more turmoil. And spiritually, you have peace. The enemy had kept her for 12 years. A lot of times people think, well, you know, it's, it's God that, that does, gives sickness and ailments and takes people away, and it's all God. It's a thief. It's Satan that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes that we may have life, and it may have it more abundantly. Satan is going after the soul of man. I, wanna, I want that I hate God and I hate his creation and I hate mankind and I want there to be destruction and I want there to be souls that will be destroyed 
for an eternity apart from God. There's a battle going on, and yet Jesus is saying, you can have life in and through me, and you can have it abundantly, you can have it eternity, eternally. There's a battle that goes on. What is the value of a soul? Does God really love me? How, how does God view you as an individual? In Luke 9, 25, it says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What profit is it to a man if he should attain all the wealth of this world? Right now, I think Elon Musk is one of the wealthiest men on, the, on this planet. But can you imagine if you were able to have all the wealth of this planet, it's all yours, and you gain the whole world, what, is it a, what profit is that if you yourself are destroyed or lost? There, the Lord here is talking spiritually. The value that God places on the soul is you are valued way beyond all the, the, the value of every single item on this planet. Your soul is worth more than all, everything combined. I just say, Lord, thank you that you love us so much. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The value that God places, I'll tell you right now, I, I, I couldn't give up. Julie and I would not give up any one of our three daughters for anybody. I couldn't do that. And yet God, the Father, loved the world so much, loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that even as you would believe on him, you would not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Eva is with the Lord. She's with the Lord. She got saved on a Christmas Eve here in this church. I knew Eva from like the uh, late 90s or late, late 80s, early 90s. I worked at the same school. I taught at the same school as Eva. I knew Eva. And there was a day that she was invited here to the church and she gave her life to the Lord. And she's with the Lord. And I want to say this morning as well, Rachel is with the Lord. For the things that took place before she passed, I know that Rachel is with the Lord. I just say, thank you, Lord. You gave your son that we can have life, eternal life. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, before we were even born, Jesus had already died for us because he loves us. And God demonstrated his love to you. Jesus died for you. And we have life in and through him. The value of one soul. 
in Luke chapter 8, just before this story of this woman that had an issue of blood, in verse 26, Jesus went out of his way for just one person that the rest, that, that the world would say, you know what, this person you don't want to be around. In fact, get out of our town. In fact, we're going to chain you and we're going to cast you out because you are a problem to our town, to our city. Verse 26, Luke 8, 26. Then they, the disciples and the Lord, sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. So went across the, the Sea of Galilee, and they went to this place. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. You say... I don't believe in demons. I have seen and dealt with people that were demon-possessed. It's not a pleasant thing. So this certain man from the city had demons for a long time. They were not just plaguing him. They were possessing him. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs, in the cemetery, in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. This loud voice was not even his own. And there was this consuming of this, this man to the point where there were demons that were speaking through him using his voice, and they had him bound. And they recognized, the demons recognize Jesus. They know who Jesus is. Satan knows exactly who Jesus is. Satan says they believe, and they tremble. They know that Jesus exists, and they tremble even at the mention of his name. His name is powerful. Hallelujah. What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And so here this, this, these, this demon and demons, even though the people had bound him with chains and shackled him, the demons within him, they just allowed or they, they gave him strength to break these bonds. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion. Because many demons had entered him. A legion, I think in the Roman uh, army, I think was 6,000 men. And they had three to 4,000 that, that, that were there to take care of the soldiers. And as they went into warfare and whatever. So a legion, we're talking many demons were there, and they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. 
Now, this next part, it's like, you see how the world looks at the value of a soul. How many pigs are you worth? You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? How many pigs are you worth? This man probably wasn't worth one. Definitely not two or 2,000. The world sees the human soul in a very negative or a very valueless way. To one person. Now, I, I, I heard that back in the, in the day, man was killed for his running shoes. Oh, he's got brand new Nikes. This was back in the 90s, 80s or 90s. Person, man was killed because of his, the fact that he had these nice shoes. Wow. The value that, the, that, that man puts on a human soul is not very much. In fact, now it's, it's hey, if you're really sick, or if you, if you want to, you're not feeling good and you want to die, we'll help you to die. We'll help you. What? People need Jesus. Now, a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they, the demons, begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And those who fed them saw what had happened. They fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened, came to Jesus, and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them that by what means he had been demon-possessed, that he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Tell others. I want to say to you, that's why I'm saying the Lord is just impressing on me and as a pastor that I can impress on you. Don't go a week without connecting with somebody. Intentionally. If it has to be intentionally, do it intentionally. I'm determined I'm going to connect with somebody in this next week. This man, Jesus went out of his way to connect with this man because of the value of one soul. Others had said, you know what? This guy doesn't deserve to be in our city. Let's chain him and let's put him out. Let's cast him out. And Jesus went from the masses, went across the sea for one man that everybody else had rejected, but Jesus went to set him free. Jesus can set the, the, the soul free, can set anyone free. Hallelujah, that we would be there to bring Jesus to them. Hallelujah. The value of one soul 
is worth all the, the worth of this world combined, just one soul. That's what God, that's how God values you. There's something amazing as we go out that there would be a sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can tell others about Jesus, but unless we say why Jesus came and why he had to die, we're just telling about an amazing person and being and, and the son of God. We talk about him, but for a person to get saved, they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the good news, gospel means good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that he died for us. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, those that are right before God, shall live by faith, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Expanding on this, Paul, as he went out, and Paul hated those that were followers of Jesus Christ. To the point where we have in um, Acts chapter 7, a man being stoned to death because of the fact that he was a follower of Jesus. And he was being stoned to death because Paul, or Saul at that time, his name was Saul, was determined to kill anybody that followed Jesus or spoke of Jesus or of the way, the way to life and the way of life. But yet here, Paul was used mightily as he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. There was a turn in his life. And he began, he saw who, the fact that the one that he was coming against was Jesus. And Jesus was the Messiah. And so there was a, a powerful transformation that took place as he met up with Jesus. And he began to preach Jesus. And he says, brethren, when I came to you, and he's writing to the Corinthians, these believers that that became believers because of him. And he's writing a letter back to them after he had left. He'd been, he was there for about a year and a half, and he set up, as they, more and more people got saved, he set up a church with elders and a pastor. And, and so now he's writing back to them. And he says, when I first came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I wasn't this great speaker. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you don't know anything, if you don't remember anything, if you don't, when you're connecting with others, all you need to tell them about is Jesus Christ and him crucified, why he went to the cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross to take your sin and my sin upon himself, the penalty of my sin. One sin is separation from God. I deserve to be in hell for all eternity for my sin, as do you before a holy and righteous God. And God is saying, I don't want that. But I need to deal with sin. How will I deal with sin? And that's why he sent his only son who died for us. And if we believe on Jesus, having taken care of every one of our sins, we have eternal life. So I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all we need to t say. And maybe you can say that about yourself 
hey, this is what happened to me when I came to the Lord. Somebody told me, or I heard this when I was a, a, a child or a teenager or an adult or older. I heard about Jesus. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. The power was not in, in Paul, in, in the fact that he was this great orator. So he was saying, I, I'm in weakness, even in fear, and in much trembling. Part of it is like, what's going to happen here? Will they accept or reject? My thing would be is my fear definitely would be that a person would reject Christ. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. In fact, the power of God flows through us when we begin to declare the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us so that we could have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. When a person does not believe in Jesus Christ, for their salvation, they are condemned. They need to believe. And this is a condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The reason a person moves away from God, it's like I'm out, out of the, I'm in darkness, I come into the light, I come into the light and it's like, whoa. And I look at myself and I see, oh, I'm not in good shape. My, there's sin. There's stains of sin all over me. But you know what? I like my sin. And so rather than being accepting of the truth, I'm going to go back in darkness and hang on to my sin. That's what Jesus says. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They don't have any intention of changing. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Why? Because it exposes you. Look at yourself and it's like, oh man, I need to change, but I don't want to change. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So basically, a person, if they do come into the light and they say, oh man, I'm not in, in the right place, but Jesus can save me. He can wash me and cleanse me from my sins. I'm going to grab a hold of this truth. So the truth of Jesus comes in to their life. And even as they're, they're exposed, they recognize, man, I'm a sinner. I need to have my sins dealt with. And it is Jesus that deals with our sins. And as he deals with them now, there is a washing and cleansing of all our sin. 
as we confess, Lord, I'm a sinner. And immediately as I'm directing that to God, Jesus, his blood washes us clean. That's why Jesus had to come. The power of the gospel. Listen, I have seen people's lives transformed just because of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their lives are transformed. You, as you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you grabbed a hold of it, there's been a change in your life. You look back, I'm not the same person that I used to be. Thank you, Jesus. I've tried to change myself by myself, and it just doesn't work. But Jesus can change me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one last individual that I want to speak about as, I, as we close. Luke 23. From verse 32. Just the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. Luke 23, 32. There were also two others, criminals. They were criminals. We don't know what, who they were, um, but they, they were extreme criminals to the point where they were being crucified with Jesus. Crucifixion was a very common thing uh, in that day. It wasn't like Jesus was the only one crucified. There were a lot of people that were crucified, and part of it was to keep the, the masses in control. You step out of line, you get crucified. There were also two other criminals led with him, with Jesus, to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, Jesus, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Those that were crucifying him, the Lord Jesus said, forgive them. Some would say, we were just following orders. These three guys need to be crucified. We're just following orders. They need to be crucified. We're going to crucify them. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. So there's this sneering. You, you're the son of God? Save yourself if you are the Christ. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now, it's interesting. This thing, this is the king of the Jews, was an accurate statement to the point where the, the, the priests wanted them to change that phrase to say he said he was the king of the Jews. But they wrote, this is the king of the Jews. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. He is above all. And here, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the lamb of God, hung, was being crucified. 
Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So he wasn't, he was mocking as well. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? We're going to, he's basically saying, we're, we're condemned to die. We are condemned to die. And we indeed justly, we're hanging here. We deserve to be here because what we did in our lives was wrong. That's what he's saying. We indeed justly, we got this, this consequence and it is just because we are criminals. We are extreme men uh, of, of behaviors that are detrimental to themselves and to others. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Listen, if you want to lead someone to the Lord, I don't, I don't care whether you're teenagers, young, young teenagers, or whether you are teenagers, uh, older teenagers, young adults, it is not complicated to lead somebody to the Lord. There needs to be a recognition of sin, an acknowledgement of sin, a confession of sin. And there needs to be this acknowledgement before God. This man was speaking to the other man, but he's also speaking to the Lord Jesus. And so in the presence of the Lord, he says, we are sinners, basically. We deserve to be up here. He, he's confessing his sin. Doesn't say that he went over every single sin. It just says, hey, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. It was as simple as that. We're sinners. In your leading someone to the Lord, is that they, there would be an acknowledgement of sin on their part. And to, to maybe help them along is to, that there would be a recognition that one sin separates us from God. One sin. That's what I, because people oftentimes will say, but I, I, I'm a good person. I mentioned Ray Comfort a, f a few, a month or two ago. And he's, he's about the, the Ten Commandments, the moral law. One of the ways that this, this man goes out and he, he shares uh, the law, the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Yeah, I've lied. Have you ever stolen something? Yep. I've stolen. What do, you, what do you call someone that steals? A thief. You're a thief. But not just a thief. You're a lying thief. Have you ever, in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you look at lust at another person, you've already committed adultery in your heart with them. Have you ever lusted after someone? Yeah. So you're, you're an adulterer at heart. Have you ever said Jesus' name in vain? Or even, oh my, OMG? 
That's using the name of the Lord. So as Ray would say, so here, that's four commandments out of ten that you've broken. So if you stand before God Almighty, four out of ten, and, and we haven't even gone over the other ones yet, would you say that you'd be guilty or innocent before God? Heaven or hell? I'm guilty. Hell. There's a way out. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we've all sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. And in the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to say there is a way out. And the way out is the fact that Jesus came and he took all the, our, the consequences of our sin. Our sin was placed upon him and he took the consequence of our sin and he died for us. But he rose again. He was perfect. He never sinned. Listen to what it says here. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's a second statement. He made two statements. One of, I'm a sinner. And the second one, he said, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. So remember me today when you come into your kingdom. He was basically declaring in that statement, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. You are the son of God. You do have a kingdom. And my faith is in you. Because I know that I'm going to be dead today. This man knew that he would be dead in hours. And listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me in paradise. Paradise was that other half or that other part of Hades. The one part was the unrighteous, were the unrighteous, those that didn't believe in, in a Messiah to take their sins. And the other side were those that b believed in the Messiah that was coming. Jesus had not overcome death yet. In fact, he was dying. And when he died, he was buried. And he went and he was in the grave, in the tomb. And there was a overcoming. It says he took the keys of death and hell. Those that this man was in paradise and there was a taking. At that point, after that, when Jesus rose from the dead, it says many that were dead or had died were seen. So, there was an expanding of Hades that day, even as those that were the unrighteous dead were brought to be with God. Their soul and spirit with God. The work was finished. When he said it is finished, his death accomplished the fact that we can have life in him. Can we stand together? Luke 15, verse 10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is joy. They're excited about one sinner that repents. Luke 15, verse 7 says, I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who, have, who, who need no repentance. They're already with God. 
The joy is in the one that comes to know the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we just bow our heads? If there's anybody here, you need to give your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Is there anybody here? Just let me know. Raise your hand. Yes. Is there anybody else that needs to give their life to Jesus? Just quickly raise your hand. That your, your faith is in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else? Yes. See the, those hands. Anybody else on top? Is, is there anybody? I can't see all that well up, upstairs. Is there anybody else? All right, you can put your hand down. We're going to pray together. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you're just saying, oh, man, man, do I need Jesus. Can we together make a confession like this criminal on the cross and just say, let's say it together, Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. I am a sinner. But you died for me. You took the consequences of my sin so that I can have life. I believe that. Come into my life that I can have eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. For those that raised their hands this morning, I want you to know, by faith, keep your faith not in yourself. Like Paul says, and I'm saying it to you, I'm determined you would know nothing else. If you don't remember or know anything else, just remember Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified for me that I could have life and believe it, confess it. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, just a quick thing, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, deny your effort. You cannot save yourself. I can't save myself. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily. Daily. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe that. You went to the cross for me. I believe that. Let that be a, a daily confession. Daily take up the cross. And keep your faith there. And then follow Jesus. I want to say to you, man, does God have amazing things in store for you that are particular to you. They are particular to you. A perfect will for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we will be with him for all eternity. Lord, I just, I thank you for those that have given their life to you this morning to make a confession of faith in you, Lord, that they will serve you. Truly, as you said, if you're going to be my disciples, to deny your own effort, deny yourself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be Lord in your life. Lord, I pray there will be some amazing things happening today in Jesus' name. In these two lives and, and others that may have given their life this morning. Lord, I just pray some amazing revelations of you. And Lord, that they would know their sins are forgiven. That there would be a peace of heart and mind knowing I am right with the Lord. And that the just shall live by faith. Those that are right before God will live by faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified for me. Let it be. Lord, I pray that as we gather together with others, Lord, maybe it'll be next Sunday. 
uh, inviting somebody to go to the Mumbies, to Mumby Manor. And Lord, to, to spend time, uh, to bring family members, to reunite as, as, as individual families, but to re reunite or gather together. Lord, I just pray that they would use this occasion. Lord, I pray that there will be a, a, a name and a face put into each and every heart of, of, of those that are believing today, that they would just know, I will reach out. Lord, even as you have given me the name and the face or the person that I need to reach out, Lord, that there will be an obedience and a, a, an intentionality to meet up with that individual or individuals. Lord, that there will be a work done this day and this week and this month and this summer season and beyond. In Jesus' name, bless my dear brothers and sisters today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.